it's pretty incredible how what, what God can do with, with something very, very small. That God can take something seemingly insignificant, seeming, seemingly tiny, and, and do things that would absolutely blow my mind. Like, it, it's still, it, it, it's an odd thing that massive trees come from these little bitty tiny seeds, right? You know, but there's, there's some way that God in his, in his greatness can bring just unimaginably huge stuff out of just very, very tiny things. There's this, uh, there's a man um, in Nepal, his name's Pradeep, and uh, he's one of our missionaries that we're partnered with here at Mount Zion and some other of our churches in the area are as well. And, and Pradeep was just um, a pretty normal guy uh, in, in Nepal. And um, Nepal still has a caste system. If you don't know what that means, that means that you're born into a grouping of people that kind of determines your worth. Um, and so if you're high caste when you're born, then congratulations, you're going to be high caste the rest of your life. And you get privilege for that and you can do things other people can't do just because of who you are when you're born. Same things if you're in a low caste. If you're in a low caste, then you're never going to be able to elevate yourself out of that. You're just stuck with it, and you just it, it, there's a whole bunch of things you can't do um, just because of who you are when you're born. So Pradeep was born in a high caste and um, had a lot of privilege, had everything he, he really needed. And then he found out he didn't have everything he needed. He didn't have the person of Christ. And Pradeep was saved in this, this pretty incredible way where he, he recognized that he needed a Savior. Like a lot of us in the room, we've recognized that we needed a Savior, that, that we had this, this, um, this problem we couldn't fix, and that problem was sin. And so Pradeep gave his life to Christ, which, was, which is an awesome thing in and of itself, right? And that's, that's a great story. If you just stop right there, that's great. But, but Pradeep looked around, and he saw all these people of his caste and the lower caste there in Nepal, and he looked around and said, like, all these people who didn't know Jesus, who hadn't found the hope that he had. They didn't have any hope at all. And in, in fact, we're being led astray by all sorts of these random fake gods that, plastered, that are plastered all over Nepal. And so he went to work. And so Pradeep, he wasn't, just, he wasn't a special guy, didn't have any kind of incredible skill set or something, but he started trying to share his faith. He's passionate about trying to share his faith with other people and, and speak the name of Jesus into people's lives. And, and, and people started coming to faith. And then so he's like, all right, well, I, there's some people that are becoming believers now. I need to try to help them figure out how to do that and how to walk and how to, how to follow Jesus well. And so he starts discipling people. And then so they kind of get organized into like a little, a little church there. And then all of a sudden there's, there's a church where there wasn't one. So Pradeep continues to invest in these people and try to raise up, not church members, but, but leaders. So they would start going around to some kind of neighboring villages, going to some different neighborhoods in their city and sharing the gospel with people. And people would come to Christ and they'd say, okay, well, you need to start a church and this is how you're going to do that. And so they kind of get one of the leaders that Pradeep had kind of raised up and they'd leave them there. And so this is your people now and you guys are going to figure out how church works. High five, right? And they go to the next neighborhood or the next village and they'd be over there. So Pradeep's been doing this for uh, several years now. He's been going from village to village all across Nepal. Started in this area called the Tarais, kind of this low-lying area, but they're getting up into the mountains now, and they'll travel six, eight hours to villages that nobody in their little posse has ever been with. But they'll hear there's this village, and there might be open, and so they'll, they'll travel. I mean, they'll get on a bus, and they'll like travel down this you know, mountain road thing, and they'll get off the bus and hike for like eight hours and go find some people, and they'll stay there for a few days, and they'll share Christ. And inevitably, God blesses, and people come to know the Lord. And then one of those people that was on the bus and went on the quick little hike with Pradeep for eight hours, Pradeep's like, hey, uh, you need to stay here. I'll come back and get you. And he just leaves them. He's like, you're the pastor now. Just figure out how this, how this is going to work. And he'll come back in three or four months, and there's a little church. And more people are coming to Christ, and people are sharing with their friends and their neighbors. And believers are, like, blossoming up all over this, all over this place of darkness. 
Because one guy decided he didn't just wanted to stop at being excited about Jesus. He wanted to do something with it. One guy that was not unlike you, has a whole lot less resources than you, has a whole lot less access to everything that you have access to, is helping change the shape of a country. There's like over a hundred churches in this in this little network now. He didn't even know where they all are. He didn't even like can't keep track of them. So he like meets people that he's like trying to talk to about Jesus. And like, oh no, I'm in your network. Like I have one of the churches. I'm I'm with you. And he's like, okay, good. You know, like this is it's 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 far beyond anything that he ever could have done on his own. It's not about his ability. It's about what God can do with something really really small. I know when you and I, we look out at the world and we feel very small sometimes. Sometimes you feel very, very important, all right? But then when you look at like, hey, if we're going to see the world change for the name and the renown and the glory of Jesus, you feel very small in that. And so do I. But what you and I can't forget is that it's not on you and I. It's on the God who can do great things with the smallest things. So... We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 tonight, if, if, if you want to get your Bibles out. If you don't have a Bible, there's always copies on the windowsills. You can grab one of those, keep those. Those are for you if you don't have a Bible. Um, but Matthew chapter 13, where we're going to be. And so I, I would love for you to write some things down and take some notes, type some stuff in your phone, because I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I, I can stay engaged when somebody's up here doing this, but then about 45 minutes later, I have a really hard time remembering anything that I wanted to take away from it. And so I'm hoping that God's going to give you some things tonight to, to be doing all right, and so series ready, series ready to talk. It's good, it's good. Series engaged, and so I hope you are too. Okay, so we're all, we're going to be in this together. So Matthew chapter thirteen, beginning in uh, verse thirty-one, talking about God doing great things with little ones. He says this in thirty-one. He put another parable before them. This is Jesus talking. He says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field." It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a a tree so that the birds of the air can come and they can make nests in its branches. And 33 says, he tells them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is also like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. That's like 50 pounds of flour. And she hid this little bit of leaven in these three measures of flour until it was all leaven. Now, listen, I don't know much about planting mustard bushes. And I definitely don't know anything about bacon bread, all right? And I'm pretty sure you don't either. But there's some really powerful stuff in, in, in like, the, Jesus' hearers would have totally got this stuff. And I know that you don't. But there's some really powerful stuff in here that I don't want you to miss. So I, got, I want you to hang in here with me. We're going to talk about mustard seeds, and we're going to talk about leaven. And in talking about mustard seeds and leaven, there's something that can literally change the shape of the planet, all right? So hang in there with me. All right, so it's these, there's two parables. There you've got the mustard seed part, and then we've got the leaven part. So we're going to talk about the mustard seed thing first. All right, so in verse 31, so it says, The kingdom of heaven, it's like this grain of a mustard seed that somebody sows, and then once it's in the ground, it's the tiniest of all seeds. But when it grows, it becomes this tree, essentially, right? All right, so when, so when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, J.J. talked about this last week, but I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. When, G, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about any place where God's rule and God's reign is present. So if you're a Christian, the kingdom of heaven is like present in your life. Like among, among us as NZBC students, those of us who are Christians, like the kingdom of heaven is present in here. Like in a local church, that's, that's, a, that's a picture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So anywhere where God's rule, God's reign is being submitted to, where people are trying to follow Christ well, that's, that's a, a little picture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And so, this is, so he's talking about basically Christianity. 
the faith of the followers of Jesus. He's saying, listen, the, 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 the faith, the Christianity, that my followers, the, the church universal is going to be like this. He says it's going to be like a little mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. Like, he's like, I know this is starting small. This is Jesus. He's like still here. There's like the 12 apostles, right? One of those is going to bail. There's a few other followers around. It's not like a big, massive movement. A lot of people thought the Messiah was going to come. There's going to be this massive thing. He was going to overthrow the whole government and like armies are going to rise up and stuff. And it's like Jesus and some friends like camping and it's like sleeping on rocks and stuff and like talking to lepers and messed up people. He's like, I know this, I know this sounds small to you. I know this looks small. It's like, even, even though like the thing about this, like even the mustard seed, as tiny as it is, it grows into this massive plant. It's bigger than all the plants in the garden. It says it can really go into a tree. Yet. So a mustard seed is, is it's, it's not the tiniest seed like on in existence, okay? You can find a tinier seed if you want to, but it's, it's tiny, and that's the point. Mustard seed like, is, is one of those little ones that's so small, like if you're holding it in your hand, it gets stuck in the crevices of your, like the wrinkles in your hands. So it's, it's about that size, okay? But then once it, it grows, these things can get up to like 12 feet tall. I, don't, I, I still don't understand this. I don't understand how like, Something that big comes out of a seed. I just don't, I don't get it. I also don't understand how a worldwide movement that has impacted all of human history comes from a guy and a couple of followers, unless there's some power of God behind it. And that's essentially what he's saying. He's like, I know this is looking small, but this is going to change the face of the earth. This is what happened, right? So Jesus and his, his disciples, they were... They did the thing, and Jesus dies on the cross, and he raises from the grave, and he leaves, he leaves his followers and said, like, go take the message. Here you go. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you to do. Go after it. He tells his, he tells his followers that they're going to do greater things than, than even he was able to do, like on the scale. Like there's going to be more accomplished after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus than, than he actually accomplished here on earth. He's like, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot to come. And so from that point, the, the church grew and grew and grew until it impacted literally the entire planet, until it impacted you. So from, 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 from this point, like when Jesus is sitting here talking about this mustard seed, like the, the kingdom of heaven continues to grow around the world until it came to you. That's a pretty massive movement. But here's, here's where it comes to you, because that's, a, that's an incredible story. And I, I love church history. I love thinking about the way the gospel wrapped the globe. But I think if we're not careful, sometimes when we encounter Jesus... Like when we make it this far and like we enter the story and now we finally have made it in too and we've finally got the hope of Jesus, it's almost like in our, in our mind, the doors close behind us and the story's complete. And so Jesus did this thing and the disciples did this thing and Christians throughout history have done this thing and it finally came to me and now that it's with me, we can be done because I'm awesome or something. But we just like think like, okay, we're good. So it, it's made it all the way to even me and now that I'm in, we can be done now or something. At least that's the way we act a lot of times. Listen, do you think God is done? Do you think like this, like the, the tree is finished growing? Is he done yet? Does it end with you? No. No, of course not. In the same way that God used these normal people, these normal followers of Jesus to take this message of hope to, to the nations, to the, to the world. He's trying to do the same thing with you and me. Listen. The kingdom of God wasn't a mustard seed, past tense. It wasn't a mustard seed that then grew into a tree and then is, is now done. It's always a mustard seed. 
That's what he says, right? Look, look at it. In, in 31, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed. It still is like that. And so there's something about the kingdom of heaven. When it planted in your heart, when, when the rule and the reign of Jesus, like when you got it in your head, we're like, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's, that's a little seed of the kingdom of heaven planted right there in you. And the intent is for that tiny seed of faith that was planted in your heart to grow into something bigger than you. For, the, for this process to continue, the process of the gospel wrapping around the world and coming even to you, once it's planted in you, then it takes root and then it sprouts from there. And there's external growth out of the faith that you have as well. See, I stand on the, I'm, I'm, I'm a branch off of a tree, right? And so there's some people before me who trusted in Jesus and shared him with me, told me how to follow Christ well, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a new sprig off their branch. And their branch was off of somebody else's, and theirs was off somebody else's. And my hope and my prayer for my life is there's a whole bunch of branches coming off of mine. Like, like when I'm gone, I'm praying that there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people who can, who can point back and they can say in some small way that, I, that the faith that I have in Christ somehow impacted them. If, if, if I've had any impact on you, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Your leaders that have been pouring into you and pointing you towards Christ and they listen to all your problems about all your boyfriends, like they're doing, <laughs> they're, you, you're, you're, a part of, you're a part of that tree coming from them. The faith that they have has been poured into you. Who is your faith being poured into? Because if your faith isn't replicated, the mustard seed stays a mustard seed and it's not growing, it's not having external impact, and it's not having an impact on the people around you, then it's somehow it's stopped with you and that is never, ever the intent. It's always a mustard seed. Listen, when you, when you trust your life to Christ, when the kingdom of God has come into your heart, that little seed of faith is a beautiful thing. But there's an intent for it to grow into something that impacts other people. We see this happen a lot. It's one of my favorite. It is my favorite thing. It's my absolute favorite thing about MZBC students is that this, this happens on a continual basis around here. So just, this, just for, just for you know, point of illustration here, how many of you were at Mount Zion before seventh grade? All right, put your hand down. How many of you showed up at Mount Zion seventh grade or after? I love that. Isn't that awesome? Because what that means is that a lot of us, like a lot, a lot of us, there was somebody who said, hey, there's this thing we do on Wednesday called Greenhouse, and it's not the worst thing in the world. You should come. And then you probably said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and they kept after you, and they were so annoying that you finally did it, and you showed up, and there was something different about this place. There's a different spirit here, and you're like, huh. And then God started to like pull on your heart and like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, and a lot of you have come to faith as a part of the, the ministry here but because somebody else said, hey, do you want to come with me on Wednesday night? I don't know what you're doing tonight, but you want to come. A lot of you have seen people come to faith in Christ, their eternity be changed because you made an invite. There's some of you, a lot of you who are in the room right now that you've trusted your life to Jesus and you've found hope and peace in the gospel because somebody else, that little mustard seed in their heart, Sprouted enough to have an impact on you. Is God done yet? No, he's not done yet. Listen, Christians in the room, are you allowing God to use the seed of faith within you to make an impact in the world around you? Are you allowing God to use the seed of faith within you to make an impact around you? 
And the goal, the goal is to see life change in those people around you. So a lot of you have seen that play out. Some of you have generations of believers after you where you invited somebody and they became a Christian and they invited some people and they became Christians and some of them invited other people and they became, and you like lost track of it. But like dozens of people in some cases have found hope because somebody allowed God to use the seed of faith within them to make an impact outside of them. Listen, I, I want to be, I want to, that's what I want my life to be about. That's, that's, that's the driving thrust of my, my life and Jessica's life. Like that's, that's what we're, your leaders, man, like that's who, that's who we're committed to be. We want to be people who see life change in those people around us because we've found hope in Jesus and we want to, we want to see him use us to make some kind of impact to pull people towards Christ. People who don't know him at all yet, draw him in. Then the people like some of you who are brand new Christians, like help you get your feet under you and start running well after Jesus. We want to be people who see God change the world through us. Not for our glory, but because of the hope that we found in Jesus. But my, 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 the, the fear, and this is really just my warning to you. Like, I'm afraid of missing it. I, since as far back as I can remember when I was really following Jesus, I started thinking about, you know, if I had continued to live my life the way I was heading before, where I had planned out my pathway, I had planned out what I was going to do with my future, and I had, I had this thing set out. And if I had continued to live that life and I'd missed out on this massive thing that God was going to invite me into to see eternity change for people, like if I was going to live for myself and just the, just the fear of what I would have missed out on, my fear for teenagers is that there's so many voices in your world telling you to live for you that you're going to miss out on what God's calling you to live for, for the gospel. My fear for you, my fear, I'm afraid of this for you. I'm afraid of you getting a good career and making enough money that you can't spend it all and then you dying and never seeing God do anything with you of any significance. I'm afraid of you, even those of you who profess Christ in the room, like holding that up inside of you and saying, good, that's great for me and never allowing the the faith inside of you to have any impact on anybody else because you're going to live for you. If that's the course of life, that you're on right now, I'm fearful for you because God has something so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Jesus goes on and he talks about, so he, he talks first how, how the seed of faith, the kingdom of heaven in, in each one of us and in us collectively is intended to have impact beyond us, outside of us. But then he turns, but then he turns the light back on us personally. In 33, he says the thing about the leaven, right? The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and she hid it in some flour until it was all leaven. All right, so you don't know what leaven is. Leaven is, leaven is um, basically last week's bread that you take a little chunk of and it's kind of getting a little nasty. And, and you, you put it inside of some, some flour, some dough that you've made, all right? And so it's got a little bit of yeast in it. And then that yeast kind of goes to work inside that ball of dough and will transform that whole that whole ball of dough into leaven or whatever. And this is, you probably don't care, but I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? But so if you just have a ball of dough and you bake it, it just like bakes into a rock, which is kind of gross, all right? Now, when you get a loaf of bread, it's got all those little like, holes and stuff in it. It's nice and fluffy and squishy and stuff. That's because there's some kind of yeast in there that's helped it to rise and yeast eats sugars and it turns into carbon dioxide. It's a whole thing, all right? You should Google it. I don't I, Somebody probably made a video or something. I don't. I probably should have found that for you. So that's that basically like dough is nasty unless there's yeast in it. <laughs> basically, that's that's the gist of this. 
When you take a little bit of yeast, you don't have to have a ton of it. You don't have to have like a bucket of yeast to go in your bucket of dough. You just have a little bit of yeast because it's like, it's, it's kind of a gross word, but it's a fungus, all right? And so you put it in there, and what it does, it starts like growing all throughout that ball of dough. And so three measures of flour is 50 pounds of flour. That's a lot. Like this lady made enough dough to like feed three armies or something, okay? Like she's got all the dough. Like this is, the whole kitchen table is a ball of dough. And she takes a little bit of, little bit of uh, this stuff, and she, she hides it somewhere in the middle of that thing, and she just leaves it there. And so what would happen? Enough time would pass where, where that yeast, it would, it would start growing all the way through that massive ball of dough until the whole thing had been changed from the inside out. Does that make sense? Not if you have any idea what I'm talking about. So that's like six of you, good. All right. So Jesus is talking about, there's, there's also a way of the kingdom of heaven, and that little seed, when it gets planted inside your heart, it's like hiding this little bit of yeast deep inside you. And it goes to work. Like the kingdom of heaven, the gospel goes to work inside of you and it starts transforming you from the inside out. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, yeah, it's supposed to have this external effect, but it's also supposed to have an internal effect. Yeah, like your faith in Jesus, man, it's supposed to have an impact on the people around you. Like your school should be different. Your family should be different because of the faith and the hope that you have in Jesus. But first and foremost, like you should be different. Like your life should be changing and transforming to look more and more like the person of Jesus because this, this seed of hope, this gospel has taken root inside of you. This, 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 this kingdom of heaven, it, it begins really small in each one of us. I don't know if you remember when you became a Christian. I remember when I became a Christian, like really started living for Jesus. And I, I remember that, that it felt like I had all this other stuff going on. And I couldn't figure out a way to like kind of bring all of this other stuff, all the way that I was living, kind of underneath this new faith that I was trying to live out. Well, I, didn't, I didn't know what my sport had to do with Jesus. I didn't know how my dating life had anything to do with Jesus. And honestly, it didn't for a long time. And there was all these different areas that Jesus really wasn't the Lord of yet. And I was trying to figure out how to do it, but it was, it was hard. It took a lot of change. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here, that as we continue to follow Jesus, as we allow the gospel to work in our life, it changes us. So then the sports that you're involved in aren't just this separate thing from Jesus. All of a sudden, that gets, like, infected by Jesus, all right? Jesus is a disease, okay? And so, like, all of that gets just infected by this faith, and then your dating life gets infected. Like, you can't date the same way anymore because Jesus has taken over that area of your life. And so what Jesus is saying is that for you to have an impact... You've also got to allow the gospel to change you from the inside out. It's a slow process. It doesn't happen immediately. Those of you who became Christians at Beach Breakaway, when there's like 14 of you guys, it is not a fast thing. It's not a fast thing to transition from being who you were to being exactly like Jesus. That's going to take the rest of your life. But there's this way that the gospel grows inside of you and it starts taking over more and more of who you are until really all that's left is Jesus. You know, with those people um, at the Beach Breakaway, the 14 of y'all, you know, somebody invited all of you guys here at some point, and it's an incredible thing. Now, as I started talking with, with those, those people who have given their life to Christ recently, and, and really anybody I ever talked to, there's always this, this, this effect where it's, it's, um, it's never a quick thing. It's never an immediate thing where they're like, yeah, hey, I've never heard the name of Jesus ever. And I walked in and then I heard um, this, this, this thing that we just, I was a part of this one thing, this one time. I never heard Jesus' name before. And then I decided to give my entire life and eternity to him. That's never the story. 
The story is always like, yeah, I kind of grew up and, you know, I have an aunt or grandmother, somebody who was a Christian. They prayed for me a lot and told me they were praying for me a lot. And I never really kind of understood what that meant. But I just remember that. And it kind of had some sort of effect on me. And then I really didn't do anything, you know, churchy or whatever for a long time until maybe somebody finally did invite me or maybe went to a VBS or something. And there was a couple of touch points. And it's like somebody invited me. I was playing NPRA soccer and they invited me to come to church with them. And I came one time, never came again. But then some stuff started happening in my life and I decided to come back and then heard a little bit more and started getting some more pieces of it. And eventually, eventually there's this life change that happens. So even in the way that we become Christians, there's this incremental development where God plants this seed deep in our heart and it starts drawing. I say it starts growing a little bit and that faith grows to the point where you can say, yeah, this is who I want to be. I told you a story about uh, Claire, who was one of our teenagers kind of forever ago now, um, literally like six years or something. And this was kind of her story. She got invited to, to church here at Mount Zion when she was a seventh grader. And she was here seventh and eighth grade year, and she was kind of hanging out and being goofy and doing whatever seventh grade girls do, which I try to stay away from that, honestly. But something's happening, and uh, <laughs> you try to stay away from it too now, don't you? I know. And so she was here doing the whole thing with all the friends, this big group of girls, and she was smacking in the middle of them, and they were just having fun. Got into like ninth grade, and then it's kind of the same thing. Tenth grade, she's, she's been going on trips with us. She's like on all the things. She's always here. And you just kind of assumed that she was a Christian, right? She's just always there. She's singing all the songs. Man, she's, she's full out. She's always here. I didn't really know Claire very well. I didn't know her story. didn't know her family. didn't know where she came from. But when I got here, she was already here. And then we went on a mission trip um, to, uh, to Greece, and, and she, she came on this mission trip, like went on an international mission trip with us. And, and it was at that point, finally, when, when Jessica actually sat down with her and started trying to figure out her story and just, you know, get to know her. And she said, look, my, both my parents, neither of my parents are believers. My brother's not a believer. None, they all think all this is stupid. But I like hanging out with y'all. It's a lot of fun. And um, I don't really buy into all this stuff. I think it's probably all fake. I think a lot of y'all think it's fake, too. And, um, but I'm here. It's fun. And so, so she was on my crew in, in, on this mission trip in Greece, and we're standing in the middle of this town square, smacking at, like, smack in the middle of Athens. It's called Monsaraki Square. It's this massive, like, hub of people. Like, there's people everywhere. And we're just we're walking around talking to people about Jesus. And this chick who doesn't believe in Jesus is walking around telling people about Jesus. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm, they'll, they'll be, probably be happier or whatever if they believe it. I just don't believe it. And I'm like, what is happening, man? So this girl's had years, years of touch points, little pieces where God has been giving her a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit of himself here, and a little bit of himself there. And got to this mission trip there in Athens, Greece, before anybody figured out she wasn't quite a Christian yet. And so Jessica said, hey, would you like to start meeting together and figuring out whatever it is that's standing in your way, would you like to start meeting together and, and talk about some stuff? She said, yeah, I'll do that. And so we started meeting together on Sunday afternoons. So we met together first Sunday afternoon. Meeting lasted two hours. Jessica came home and I'm like, what in the world do you talk to another human being about for two hours? Like, I'm a guy. I haven't talked to two people for two hours in my entire life. Like, I don't know. What do you say for two hours? No idea. So she, Jessica's like, well, we talked about all this and that. Whatever. We're going to do it again next week. I was like, goodness. Okay. Better have some conversation points or something. I don't know. So the next week, they go to Starbucks again, Sunday afternoon, two hours. I was like, you, you answered all the questions, right? Like, there can't possibly be more questions after four hours of conversations. Now, we're going to meet again. Two more hours next week. Two more hours the next week. Two more hours the next week. Two years of two hours every Sunday afternoon. 
talking about the gospel, talking about implications of the gospel, talking about theology, and well, if this is so, then how can this possibly be right? This girl wrestled Jesus for two years. That little, that, but that little, bit of, that little bit of leaven was growing and growing. And to the point, when she was up here at the office one day, she hung out at the office a lot, and Rob Hatfield was up here, and he said, hey, I, I know you've been meeting with Jessica. How's that going? And he, she's like, it's going great. It's like, cool. Well, like, what other questions you got? Like, what's, what's, what's still between you and Jesus? She's like, I don't know. And he's like, so what are you doing? She's like, I don't, I don't know. So what are you waiting on? If you, I mean, if there's nothing else between you and Jesus, like, if you're there, like, just jump, go. And so Rob got to, which was, I'm still mad about, by the way. So Rob got to lead Claire to Christ sitting over there in the office because that little bit of leaven had grown in her heart to the point where she's like, yeah, I, I believe it. I trust my life to it. I trust my eternity to it. But, but Claire wasn't done yet. And see, that's the thing I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss. Like that's that, that point when she got there after two years of conversation and figuring out who Jesus was, and she said, yes, I'm ready to give him my life. I'm ready to follow him. She wasn't done. Like she wasn't fully baked. Okay, like she was, she was not finished. So Claire goes to college and she starts getting around other believers and people investing in her and really starts digging into the word of God on her own. And so she's continuing to grow until the point she graduates college and she's an incredibly strong believer because she's continued to grow. Listen, if you're a Christian in the room and your faith is the same as it was a year ago, where, where, the, where the, kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven in your heart hasn't grown at all in the last year or two years or five years or when you got saved at VBS when you were an eight-year-old or whatever. If, you have, if, if your faith isn't growing, it's, it's, it's stagnating. This thing is intended to grow inside of you. We're supposed to feed it. We're supposed to invest in it. We're supposed to invest ourselves in the word of God, hide his word in our hearts so we might not sin against him. We're supposed to be people whose faith is growing consistently. And if you're at a point when you feel stuck, if you're at a point when you're saying, listen, I think I've got it all figured out. I've got all this Jesus stuff. I understand the whole story. I've got the timeline put together in my head. I know Jesus died for me. I think I'm done. You're not done, man. Until Jesus has taken over every aspect of your life and you're not left anymore. And it's just Jesus shining through. I'm not done. And you're not either. So Jesus comes at us with these two parables saying, listen, the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be this thing that grows. And it's supposed to grow outside of you and have an impact on the world around you. It's supposed to change your family and change your friends. It's supposed to, there's other people who should be coming to heaven with you because of the faith inside of you. And, and that faith inside of you is supposed to be growing. If it's not growing, it's stagnating. And if, if, you're, not, if you're not feeding it, if you're not investing yourself in him, if you're not chasing after him, you're not growing. My fear for you, my fear for you is that you're going to miss the impact that God wants to make on you and the impact that God wants to make through you. I don't, I don't want to miss out on the insanity of what God can do through somebody fully surrendered to him. I don't, I don't want you to miss out on the insanity of what God can do in you and what God can do through you. If, that, if you just allow that little bit of faith inside of you to do what God can only do. God wants to make an impact on the world around you and the world within you. 